Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. And now a message from The Rock of Gainesville. Amen. Everybody doing well? Yeah. Oh, come on. You got to do better. You doing good? Yeah. You look good. It's good to see you guys. Good to see you guys. Welcome to The Rock of Gainesville. And uh, if you're hearing the auditorium, obviously we welcome you. If you're watching online, we welcome you there also. And if you're going to catch it later by podcast, that's cool too. We welcome you that way also. So thank you, Pastor George and Pastor Suzanne, for the opportunity to share the word today, these wonderful people. Hey, uh, can I tell you a quick story? Is that okay? Sure. Uh, good, because I'm going to. You know, it's just <laughs> the way it is. 27 years ago yesterday, Barbara and I pulled into Gainesville for the first time. And I text pastor and I was telling him that and I said, and I guess I'm going to die here too. I hope it's not next week. Come on, somebody. But uh, looks like we're going to be around here for a while. But, you know, in, in saying that, I just want to say this, that, uh, you know, as uh, I, I told that to pastor, he responded in a way that I kind of figured him to because he was 100% correct. He said, yeah, we have something here. Come on now. We have something here that's very, very special that a lot of religious people ain't able to enjoy from week to week because we as the people of the Rocket Games will get to do, get to do, get to do life together every week. And what a joy it is to be able to be here with you guys and preach to this wonderful house. This is such a great house to preach to. And I've been doing this for a long, long time since dinosaurs roamed the earth. Been doing this and this is such a great house to preach to. And I love you guys and love doing life with you. So welcome to The Rock Against. All right, enough of the mushy stuff. Come on now. Huh? Are you guys here today? Wake up. Come on, go ahead and elbow somebody and say, wake up. Are you guys here today? Enough of the mushy stuff, right? All right, here we go. Here's what I want to talk about today. Standing strong in the battle. Standing strong in the battle. I wanna teach you some things that uh, will help us to stand strong in the battle. Not lily-livered, not hanging on at the end of our rope, just barely making it. Sometimes we feel that way, right? Sometimes we feel that way, but not doing that because that really, listen to Pastor Ron, that's not kingdom. That's not kingdom. What is kingdom is standing strong in the battle. And that's what I want to talk about today, how we can literally stand strong. Why? Because the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Amen. And so we have the privilege and the opportunity to stand really, really strong in the battle. I've been uh, kind of meditating on a scripture for a number of months now, and I probably have quoted this scripture to you a couple of times. It's Galatians chapter five, verse one. Here's what it says. Stand fast, Therefore, in the liberty where Christ has made you free, and be not entangled again, be not entangled again, be not entangled again. Let's get off that carousel. Come on now. Let's quit going around that mountain. Be not entangled again with any, everybody say any, any yoke of bondage. You know, the beautiful thing about our God, guys, is this. He gives us the privilege and he gives us the power to be able to be free, listen to me now, and free indeed. There's a period at the end of that sentence. Free 
and free indeed and not have to go around that mountain over and over and over and over again. Now, I understand that battles aren't always a lot of fun to talk about. They're a challenge for us to have to deal with, but battles are a part of God's will. They're a part of God's developmental process in you. Here's how James says it. He says it this way, by the trying or the testing of our faith. There's a part of a developmental process that God takes us through. And so we don't get really jazzed about having to go through a battle or talking about it, but it's just, it's just part of what we are going to have to deal with. There's a, there's a developmental phase. Look at this quote by Smith Wigglesworth. I love this quote right here. You may as well go ahead and take a picture of it. I love it standing up here and watching your cameras go off. You may as well go ahead and take a picture of this one. This one's good. Great faith is a product of great fights. Great testimonies are an outcome of great tests. And great triumphs can only come by great trials. Man, there's something there that you and I need to sink our teeth into because that scripture right there verifies the developmental process that God takes you and I through as we learn how to stand strong in the battle. He's developing something in you and I. What's he developing? Romans chapter five, look at this. It says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering, watch this now, suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Mm, you missed a great place to shout right there. Because what that tells me is I can stand strong in the battle, full of hope, and here's what I know, God's not going to embarrass me. He's not going to humiliate me. He's not going to take me through a battle and the end ends up being not very pretty. He's going to take me through a battle full of hope. And when I get to the end of it, he's going to allow me and you to be a trophy in his kingdom. A testimony in his kingdom. And, and that whole developmental process produces hope. Now, as I said, I understand that talking about battles isn't always the, the fun thing to do, but I'm going to use a background of scripture today that will cause it to be a little bit more palatable. And now when I give you the book of the Bible that I'm going to teach from today, go ahead and laugh out loud. If you've been here for a while, you know that every once in a blue moon, about every other month, I preach out of Nehemiah. So if you haven't been here for a while or you're new here, you can laugh along with these folks and I'll love you anyway, but I am going to use Nehemiah as a backdrop today. Why am I going to do that? Well, because there is a phenomenal story that Nehemiah tells as he stands strong in the middle of a battle. And there's some things in Nehemiah chapter four that I've never shown you before and I wanna get into it because it's a great illustration of what it means for you and I to stand strong in the battle. Let's look at this right here. Look at how Nehemiah is being affected by the battle as he's starting out. Nehemiah chapter one, verse four, look at what it says. When I heard these things, what things? I gotta rebuild a wall. I've got to take these walls 
that are in rubble on the ground and I've got to rebuild a wall. And listen to me, people, I'm not talking about a picket fence in your backyard. I'm talking about a wall that's big enough that you can run NASCAR on the top of. That's how huge and massive this wall is. And he's got to build a wall. And when he hears this, I'm in charge, not only of rebuilding the wall, I'm in charge of mobilizing an entire nation. And I'm in charge of mobilizing an entire nation to rebuild this wall while I've got opposition coming at me from every different side you can imagine. And when I hear these things, look at what Nehemiah does. He's just getting going. And look at the effect of the battle on him as he's starting to get started. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. The battle's already affecting him and he's just getting going good, guys. And for some days, I mourned and I fasted and I prayed before the God of heaven. Look at the effect of battle. Nehemiah's just getting started in the battle and the battle's already affecting him. How else does the battle affect you and I? Write it down, number one, here we go. The effects of battle, ridicule. Ridicule says you aren't worthy. You just ain't got the goods, man. You come from the wrong side of the tracks. You don't have the background to be able to handle it. And the enemy starts ridiculing you and telling you, you just ain't going to be able to get it done. Look at Nehemiah chapter four, watch this, I love this. When Sanballat heard that they were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. Look at this, he ridiculed, there it is right there. He ridiculed the Jews. And in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, look at what he says. What are those feeble Jews doing? Look at the ridicule. What are those weak, lily-livered, no good, hardly able to do anything Jews doing? What are they doing? Look at this. Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Will those weak people from the rock of Gainesville continue to stand in faith while their pastor battles multiple myeloma? Will they be able to build up their faith and continually every day praying over him? Now I'm paraphrasing just a little bit, <laughs> just in case you didn't get it. Can, look at the ridicule, can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubbles, burned as they are. Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side said, what are they building? Look at this, look at the ridicule. While even a fox climbing up on it would break down their walls of stones. Look at the ridicule, man. Just beating them up from left and from right. And so here's what I understand. There's this ridicule that's coming, that's pushing them down saying, you just ain't got the goods, man. You just ain't got the stuff that's going to be able to get it done, ridicule. You know what I have found, and you know this better than I do. The enemy, the Bible says, is the accuser of the brethren. He's standing before the throne of God saying, those are your people? Those are the ones that are gonna change the world? Those are the ones that are gonna complete your assignment? Those people down there at the Rock of Gainesville, I started to say 9818 Southwest 24th Avenue. And I don't know this address, so you gotta forgive me. So I'll just stay safe, how's that? 
Those people at the Rock of Gainesville, they're going to do what you called them to do. Look at the accusation that's coming from the enemy. You know, he is the accuser of the brethren. Now, I've got a choice to make. Am I going to react to his accusation? Am I going to react to the devil or am I going to respond to the Father? One of the things I love about Jesus, he never reacted to the devil. He's in the wilderness and he's, he's fasting and the enemy comes to him and says, if you are the son of God, then turn those stones to bread. Jesus didn't react to that. Now, undoubtedly, Jesus probably was a little hungry. Come on, somebody. And there's, a, there's the possibility he could have stood there and said, you know what? I am kind of hungry. I, I wouldn't mind having a Popeye's biscuit with a little honey right now. <laughs> I am kind of hungry. It might be good to turn one of those stones to bread. He didn't react to the devil. What did he do? He said this, he said, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Not reacting to the devil, but saying, I only do what the Father tells me to do, and I only do what the Father shows me to do. So there's not a reaction to the enemy. So he responds to the Father. So the first effect of the battle, rather, is ridicule. Number one, the second effect of the, of the battle is this, intimidation, you're not allowed. You ain't coming in here. I'm going to stop you right there. When I played basketball in college, I used to love to block a shot and say, don't bring that in here. I think I did it twice, but that's okay. <laughs> not allowed, man. The intimidation of the enemy. You're not allowed to see the progress of God's kingdom. Look at what it says. Nehemiah verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 6. So we rebuilt the wall till all of it, watch this now, till all of it reached half of its height. Have you ever noticed that just as you're getting going, really making progress in God's assignment in your life, and you're just getting going again, that's when it seems that the enemy turns up the most heat. Just getting going good. Not finished, not completed, half of its height, but now the enemy is turning up the heat. You wanna know why, guys? That's a compliment to you, because he sees your progress and he's scared to death. That's right. Come on, say it again. He sees your progress. You're not giving up. It's only halfway done, but you're not quitting. It's only halfway finished, but you're not throwing in the towel. And so he sees your progress and he starts turning up the heat. For the people worked with all of their heart. But Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the people of Ashdod heard that the repairs of Jerusalem's walls had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed. They were very angry. Look at what they did. They all plotted intimidation. They plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. They plotted together. You know what the enemy is doing to you and I? The Bible says this, he is scheming. He has a method. He's trying to find a way to stop you. The Bible says that he's roaming around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Trying to find a plan. He's plotting. He's plotting against you and I trying to stop our progress 
as we are fulfilling God's assignment. And it says they plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. You know what I found? I thought about this a couple of weeks ago. We call the enemy the father of lies. He's the great liar. He's the great one that has all kinds of ways of twisting the truth. He's the great liar. You know what I found? The devil only has one lie. You know what that lie is? You can't. That's his only lie. Now it may come in a lot of different forms. You can't be saved. You can't be healed. You can't be delivered. You can't be blessed. You can't be full of joy. It may come in a lot of different forms, but really it's only one lie. You can't. And for every lie the enemy uses, no matter how he twists it, Jesus has the same answer. You can do all things through Christ who continues to strengthen you. Uh, you got to do better than that. You can. The devil's got all kinds of ways of twisting it, and Jesus comes back with that answer that is so consistent in your life. Hey, you want to know when breakthrough begins in your life? Breakthrough begins when you refuse to be impressed by the size of your problem. Do I have a problem? Yeah, I got a problem. Am I in a battle? Yeah, I'm in a battle. But I'm not impressed with it because no matter how big that battle is, no matter how big that problem is, greater is he, greater is he, greater is he, greater is he that is in me, that's in my problems, and he's going to cause me and you to be victorious. It's only got one lie. And Jesus has one consistent answer of I can. So I got to ask myself the question, what am I going to do? Am I going to pray or am I going to panic? Am I going to pray or am I going to panic? Number three, the third one is fear. The third effect of the battle is fear. And it says this, it says, you're not able. You're not able. This is a big assignment. Come on. I'm going to rebuild a wall that you can run NASCAR on top of. This is a huge assignment. Not able to do it. That's the effect of the battle. Look at this. Here we go. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 11. Also, our enemies said, before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them. Watch this. Here's the fear coming in. And we will kill them. Now, I'm not very smart, but somebody walks up to me and says, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to be a little shaking in my boots, at least for a minute. Come on. Are you with me? You're going to make me a little nervous. We will kill them. Look at how it continues here. And we'll put an end to the work. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us, look at this now, 10 times over, 10 times over. What does that say to you and I? It's in their head, man. They're, they're thinking on it over and over and over again. They're thinking about, wait just a second. We, we're, we got to rebuild this wall, but we got opposition everywhere, and this opposition is going to come kill us. They keep telling us they're going to come get us over and over and over and over again. They're thinking through it over and over and over again. It's in their head. Somebody 
told me not long ago, they said, Pastor Ron, I'm in a, ba a battle, and you know what? I, I've just been dealing with this battle for so long, so long. I just keep having to deal with this battle for so long, and it's, it's just out of my hands. I said, well, I'm glad it's out of your hands. Now get it out of your head. See, sometimes I don't need to pray for a new heart. I need to pray for a new head. I need to get it out of my head. I need to quit nurse. Listen to me now. I need to quit nursing it and rehearsing it. Come on, somebody. I need to quit nursing it and rehearsing it and put a stop to it in its tracks. And again, take the authority that God has given me to walk strong in that battle. Look at what it says. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us 10 times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. Look at what fear is saying. I, I, I can't do this. I'm not allowed. They're, they're, they're going to attack us on every side. I'm not allowed to get the assignment finished. And what we've got to understand is we as the body of Christ in fighting the good battle, we got to be brave. Now, listen to me. Being brave doesn't mean that you never have any fear. Amen. You know, sometimes we're told you, you don't need to fear. Don't fear. Got, got, got to stop that fear. And I agree with that. But there are also times I understand I'm in the battle and I'm having to deal with a little bit of fear. Being brave doesn't mean that I never have any fear. It means I refuse to be overcome by it. Is fear going to master me or am I going to master it? Being brave doesn't mean I don't have any fear. There are going to be times I fear. The great Elizabeth Elliot, the wife of the missionary Jim Elliot, who was killed in the jungles, said after she got the news of her husband being killed, every day she got up and put her feet on the floor and a wall of fear hit her every day. And she said, every day I would get up and I would face that wall of fear, but I would do it anyway. I'd do it anyway. Whatever God called me to do in the midst of fear, I'm going to do it anyway. Why? Because God didn't give you, I think Tom prayed over this this morning, God didn't give you a spirit of fear, come on now, but of power, love, and a sound mind. What does that mean? He gave you power to overcome the fear. He gave you love to trust him through it. And he gave you a sound mind to see through the lie of fear. You want me to say that again? He gave you power to overcome it. He gave you love to trust him and a sound mind to see through it. So I got to understand, I'm going to deal in the battle with some ridicule. I'm going to deal in the battle with a little bit of intimidation. I'm going to deal in the battle with a little bit of fear, but I have the ability to walk through that because I can stand, you can stand strong in the battle. All right, let, let's, let's get to some happy stuff. Everybody say happy, happy, happy. happy. I'll say it one more time. Happy, happy, happy. happy. How do I stand strong in the battle? How do I do it? All right, here we go. Let's go. Number one, write it down. Number one, I love this one right here. Number one, how do I stand steadfast in the battle? Cover the unprotected places. Cover the unprotected places. What in your life is a little vulnerable? What in your life is the enemy continually trying to attack that you may, after a while, start feeling like that is a weak area? Where is that unprotected place in your life? Look at Nehemiah 4.13. Therefore... 
I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at where? At the exposed places. At the exposed places. Now, this is what I love right here. Posting them by families with swords, spears, and bows. Come on, somebody. Look at what he's doing. He's covering his unprotected places, but he's not doing, de- doing it defensively. Oh, I hope the devil doesn't come over here. Oh, I hope he, maybe he won't see me over here. I'm just going to kind of stand over here like a wallflower and hope that he won't find out who I am or what I have or what I possess. No, that's not how they're covering their unprotected places. They're not covering their unprotected places defensively. They're covering, they're covering their unprotected places offensively. And they're saying, devil, if you're coming into my household, you're coming through me. And I dare you to do it in Jesus name. Now that clap, 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 clap is pretty weak. So give Jesus an ovation of praise. They do it offensively. They, 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 I'm going to cover the unprotected places, the vulnerable places. Ask yourself the question right now, just to be honest with you and, and me and the whole uh, self of who we are. What area do I need? What area do I need to cover that's a vulnerable place? Now, as you think about that, let me compliment you for just a second. Because here's what you got to understand. If your life is under attack, there's probably a very, very, very good indication that you carry something of value. There's something that the enemy wants, man. There's something that the enemy wants to pluck out. If your life is under attack, that's a compliment to you because what that means is there's something there that the enemy wants to snuff out and come to a halt, and that's a compliment to you being a child of the king. But now let me go down the road for just a second because what I find a lot of times as I talk to people is, well, Pastor Ron, thank you for the compliment. I appreciate the compliment, and I'm glad to know that I'm potentially carrying something of value. But there's a struggle here, because that place that we're talking about is potentially a place of value. That's what the enemy attacks the most. I feel defeated as he attacks it, and I don't feel that it's valuable. I actually feel very weak. You're not weak, man. You're strong in the might of the Lord. You're strong in the power of the cross. You're strong in the presence of Jesus. You're not weak. What that means is it's not a weakness. Maybe it just simply means there's an area there that Jesus needs to heal. But Pastor Ron, man, I've been praying over that for so long, time and time and time and time again. I've been praying over that weak area of my life for so long. I've been praying over it and it's just not healed yet. Look guys, time is not going to heal it. If time heals, then God's not necessary. Time ain't gonna heal it. What I've got to understand is I've gotta come to a place of of letting that healing take place through the power of God. Why? Because when he heals it, come on now, come on, say it again, gay. It's healed. 
Yeah, everybody say amen to gay, not Pastor Ron. Say amen to gay. It's healed. And he doesn't just kind of make it a little better. He makes all things new. Anybody in here shop at Walmart? Oh, yeah. I don't. Especially on a Friday night about 10 o'clock. Don't shop at... Man, that's a show. Have you ever noticed that? Man, you don't know what you're going to see. You go in Walmart at 10 o'clock on a Friday night? Good. That's a, that's a television show in itself. I don't, I don't shop at Walmart. If you do, it's okay. I mean, this is not an altar call. It's all right. But you know what I found about Walmart? And this is amazing to me. If you buy something at Walmart, no matter how long you have it, you can take it back and they'll give you something brand new in its place. Have you ever noticed that? I mean, if you take it back to Walmart, they'll give you something brand new back in its place. You can take the iron that you gave to your kids when they went away to college 20 years ago. And you take it back and say, hey, I, my iron's broke. I bought it here. Do you have a receipt? Well, no, I don't have a receipt, but I bought it here. Okay, here's a new one. <laughs> now, I don't know how they stay in business doing that, but they do. Whatever you take to them, they give it back to you new, no matter how beat up and broken it is. Thank God that Jesus is the same way. No matter how beat up and broken you are, he gives you life and life more abundantly and new life in Jesus Christ. Come on. So that's what happens when he heals our life. Number two, number two, the second way to stand steadfast is remember the strength of the Lord. Remember the strength of the Lord. After, verse 14 of chapter four, after I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, and the officials and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. Now, come on, let's just stop and be honest right here. Sometimes we give too much stinking credit to the devil. The devil's just beating me to death, praise his holy name. We just give too much credit to the enemy. Here's what Israel did, they, they, they reminded themselves to remember the strength of the Lord. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight, watch this now, fight for your families, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. This battle is not about me, it's about everybody that is around me because I'm fighting for me, yes, but I'm fighting for my home, I'm fighting for my kids, I'm fighting for my future, I'm fighting for my destiny. It's not just about you, it's about God being great in you. Fight for all those that are around you also. Here's what Israel does, and I love this about Israel. When something tremendous, something great took place, you know what they did? They put a marker there. They put, a, they put a memorial, they put a landmark there so that every time they walked by it, they weren't remembering how they got whipped, they were remembering how God came through for them. They weren't remembering the defeat of the battle, they were remembering how God 
saved them in the midst of the battle. You know, sometimes, guys, we got to put up a marker in our spiritual heart so that every time we walk by it in a battle, we remember if God has done it before, he will do it now, and he will do it again. A spiritual marker that says, you know what? I, I want to remember God. Exodus chapter 4, here's Moses. Moses is being called by God. And he says, God, they're not going to follow me. I stutter. I'm a murderer. They're not going to follow me. What is he doing? He's remembering who he used to be. And what does God tell him? He says, no, remember this day that when you go out and they ask you, who is sending you? Say, I am that I am, I am is sending you. Remember not what you used to be, but who is sending you. Okay, number three, here we go. Number three, oh, now let's go to number three. Number three, the third way to stand strong in a battle. I love this one right here. Carry a shovel and a spear. Pastor Ron, what in the world does that mean? Carry a shovel and a spear. Here's what it means. Do the work. Be faithful. Keep your nose to the grindstone. Don't give up. And while you do it, carry that spear, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And base all of your actions on what God is showing you to do. Said, well, God just seems so silent. I'm not... I'm not hearing God right now. Don't tell me you're not hearing God with a closed Bible. Huh? Don't tell me you're not hearing God with a closed Bible. God's speaking. God is a talking God. God is a talking God. And so I do the work. I carry my shovel. I do the work. I remain faithful. I do what God's called me to do, and while I do it, I carry the sword of the Spirit. Here's what it says, but the man, I love this right here, but the man who sounded the trumpet, what is the trumpet? It's the Word of God. The man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. He stayed with me. He was always there. I'm laboring. I'm fighting. I'm doing my best to, to, to fulfill my assignment, and that, that Word is staying in my heart and in my life. Why is that? Listen to Pastor Ron. We, we're standing strong in the battle. And if I'm gonna stand strong in the battle, we need, if we're going to stand strong in the battle, we need spiritual vision for spiritual battles. I don't fight the battle in the natural. I don't fight the battle in the natural. So I need spiritual vision for a spiritual battle. Why? Because here we go now, because the battle may not be what it seems. In the natural, it may not be what it seems in the spiritual. So I need spiritual vision for a spiritual battle because I'm trying to read this battle in the natural, and that's just not very wise for me to do. I need spiritual vision so I can see really what is going on behind the scenes and how God wants me to walk this out. Spiritual vision for spiritual battles because it just might not be what you're thinking in your natural mind. It might be a little different. I may have told you this story before, so if I'm repeating myself, will you forgive me? Say, we forgive you, PR. I think I told you this, but if I didn't, you've already forgiven me. 
I don't like to fly. Is anybody in here, you don't, you're like me, you don't like to fly? You don't like to fly? Raise your hand, just tell me. I don't like to fly. I don't like to fly. Actually, actually it's not, sorry about that, it's not the flying that bothers me, it's the crashing. I'm, I'm okay with the flying. It's the crashing. You get on that plane and they, the stewardess says, under your seat is a flotation device in case of a water landing. Come on, a water landing. No, that's called a crash landing, a water landing. Give me a break. I don't like to fly. Plus, I don't fit on airplanes. You know, I woke up one day and I'm the same size as Shrek. I don't like to fly. I don't fit on airplanes. So I'm on an airplane because sometimes you have to fly. That's just the way it is. Sometimes you have to do it. And I'm on an airplane. I'm coming back from Arizona. I'm flying into Chicago. And I, I'm so tired. I've been working all day. I'm just really, really tired. And I fall asleep. And I never fall asleep on airplanes. Again, I don't fit. So I never fall asleep on airplanes. So I'm really tired, I fall asleep on the airplane, and all of a sudden I wake up and realize I have to go to the restroom. So I'm thinking, okay, I'm, I'm, I reach down to unbuckle my seatbelt and I look down and I've got this big spot of drool right here. <laughs> where I've been sleeping and obviously drooling. So I look down and think, well, that's ridiculous. What, what do I do about that? I'm thinking, okay, well, I, I can hide that. So I think I'm okay. So I can hide this. So I start to get up, and as I start to get up, I realize my leg's asleep. <laughs> and I can't, I can't stand up. So I got this big spot of drool, and I can't walk. <laughs> so I, I get up to go down the aisle to the restroom, and I'm trying to cover my drool and I'm trying to get my leg awake and I'm, and I'm walking down the aisle like this and I hear this sweet little lady sit right here and she says, bless his heart. <clears throat> I want to, it's not what you think. I'm okay, I promise. Everything's gonna be all right. It's not what you think. There are times, guys, I need, I need spiritual vision for a spiritual battle because it's, it's, not, it's not what it seems. It might, it might look like I've been whipped. <laughs> Come on now. It might look like I've been a fight, in a fight and somebody got the best of me. That's how it might look. And it may look like the devil's advancing. He's not advancing in the spiritual. It may look like that sometimes in the natural, but I'm moving forward in Jesus and so are you. I need spiritual vision for spiritual battle. Second Chronicles chapter 20, one of my favorite chapters in all the Bible. Second Chronicles chapter 20, the nation of Israel is going to war and they're outnumbered three to one. They're going against Moab, Ammon, and Mount Seir, the Edomites. Jehoshaphat calls the nation of Israel together and they come together to pray and fast. In the midst of their praying, I need spiritual vision for a spiritual battle. In the middle of their praying and their fasting, a man by the name of Jehaziel stands up and says this, the battle's not yours, the battle's God's. And then he goes on and says, put 
your worship team out front. Now, how many of you know that's spiritual vision? Don't put the AK-47s out there. Put your bass player. And they put the worship team out there to lead the way. The worship team, say it out loud. The worship team. They're going into battle in a spirit of worship. Come on, somebody. And as they go into battle in a spirit of worship, they get to the valley and the entire armies opposing Israel were wiped out. Why? The battle's not yours, the battle's God's. Mm. Take your eyes. Take your eyes off what the enemy is doing and look at what God has already done. Last one and I'm done. Here we go. The last one. I love this one right here, especially for where our house is today. And I'm going to emphasize that a little bit more in a few minutes. But I love this one right here. The, the fourth way that I stand strong in the battle is this right here. Listen, you're going to love this. Live in the power of partnership. Live in the power of partnership. You've heard me say this a lot lately, guys. Let me say it one more time. Live for Jesus for yourself, but never by yourself. Live for Jesus for yourself, but never by yourself. We, as the rock of Gainesville, as we walk through what we are walking through, we need to buy into the power of partnership. We are walking these days out together. We're walking them out together. Look at Nehemiah chapter four, verse 20. Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, remember what I said, the trumpet is the word of God. Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join, join, get with us. Let's stand together. Let's get shoulder to shoulder. Let's get toe to toe. Join us there and look at what happens. Join us there and God will fight for us. I get to the power of partnership. I'm not fighting by myself. I'm fighting with you and Jesus sees your spirit of unity and comes, fight, comes and fights that battle for you. Exodus chapter 17, beautiful illustration. I thought about this last night as we were, we were at prayer, on Saturday night prayer. I came to that, to that and enjoyed it so much on Saturday night. And I thought about this particular verse of scripture, Exodus chapter 17. Moses, nation of Israel has gone to battle and when Moses' hands were up, they were winning. When his hands went down, they were being defeated. Aaron and Hur got in the power of partnership. They took his arms and they held up his arms and Israel won the battle. Come on, how many times in your life and my life do we need somebody to help us and hold up our arms? Help me out, help me out. Now, I understand because I've been there myself. I understand when I start talking about getting in the power of partnership and connecting with people, the enemy will use a lie that's called the power of rejection. I don't want to 
be vulnerable in my life with someone else was because what do I do if they reject me? What do they do? What do I do if they turn away from me? What do I, what do, I do if they don't accept me? Pastor Ron, I've been rejected before. Let me bring healing to that. You weren't rejected. God was protecting your value from people that had no part in your destiny. He was protecting who you really are because they're not going to be a part of your future anyway. And so their negativity has no value in your life whatsoever. Well, you know what, Pastor Ron, it sure felt like direct rejection. You're telling me I wasn't rejected. It sure felt like I was getting rejected. No, you know what it was? The godly spirit in you was irritating their demons. I need to say that again. The godly spirit in you was just messing with them. Just, just causing something to rise up, something to raise up, something to stand up. So I understand there are gonna be times that I could possibly be rejected. It could happen, but I still need to understand the revelation of the power of partnership. Here's why. I have no idea what is hanging in the balance. I have no idea what is hanging in the balance of my decision to help you carry the burden that you're carrying. There could be something huge hanging in the balance. I don't want you out there doing it on your own. I want to walk that out with you in the power of partnership. What's hanging in the balance? Life. And I want to be a part of bringing life to you. So what do I do? I get in the power of partnership with you, and here's how I do it. I honor you. I am honoring you when I'm getting in the power of partnership. Now listen, I don't always honor you because I agree with you. I don't always honor you because I even like you. There are sometimes you flat out made me mad, but I'm still going to honor you. Why am I going to honor you even when you've made me mad? Here's why, because God's name is on you. And when I'm honoring you, I'm honoring God. So I'm going to find myself getting in a position of honoring you by getting to that place of partnership. And look at the result. Here we go. Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 16. When all of our enemies heard about this, our enemies heard that we're standing together. Get that in your spirit. When our enemies heard that we're standing together. When Satan heard that Pastor George and Pastor Suzanne are fighting a battle, but the Rock of Gainesville is standing with them. Mm. Mm. He's battling multiple myeloma, but the people of the Rock of Gainesville are binding together in faith. Because it's not just about him, it's about us, and it's about God's kingdom. When they heard about it, all, I love this, listen to this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and they lost their self-confidence. I might can mess with one of you guys. I can't mess with this whole crowd. So they lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done 
with the help of their God. Mm. Battle's not just about you, man. It's not just about you, it's about us. And when we get in the power of partnership, we come together and fight that battle together. It's like I said, simply, the enemy comes to an understanding. I can, I can, I can mess with you. I can mess with you. But all you homies, homie, homie, don't you know me? All you guys? No. That's an army. Come on now. That's an army. That's a spiritual army. Standing strong in the battle. Why? The battle's not just about you. And we sang this song, and the band's going to lead it in just a second. The battle's already been, been won. God's calling us to appropriate our faith to walk out the victory. How do you know that, Pastor Ron? Because Jesus said it. And you know what? Anybody that says he's going to die and be raised from the dead and then does it, I'm going to take his word over yours. <laughs> Jesus already said it. Jesus said something very peculiar, very peculiar as he was going to the cross. He said, I am being poured out as a drink offering. And I find that real interesting until I started researching what a drink offering is. Here's what a drink offering is. In the Old Testament, the priest would receive a sacrifice, an animal sacrifice, and at the end of the animal sacrifice, he would take a bowl of blood and he would pour that bowl of blood on the ground and he would say these words, the victory has been won, nothing else needs to be done. Now go forward a little bit to the armies of Israel on the battlefield and they would fight a battle. And when the battle was over and they won, the general of the army would take a skin of water and pour it on the ground and say, the victory has been won, nothing else needs to be done. Now fast forward just a few more years to Jesus hanging on the cross. Jesus is hanging on the cross, suspended between heaven and earth. And a Roman soldier walks up to him and pierces his side with a spear and blood and water flow from his side and he made a statement the victory has been won nothing else needs to be done hanging on the cross a statement was made of you having victory in your life is there going to be battles yeah come on and stand with me are there going to be battles? Yeah. 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 Not fun to talk about, not enjoyable to talk about, but that's just life in the big city. Going to be battles? Yeah. Going to be battles. But the victory, say it out loud, the victory has been won. Nothing else needs to be done. Let's sing together. Come on, let's make this your prayer. In the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, say it, church. Every war he wages, he will win. 
out loud. Father, I make a public declaration right now. And we as the corporate body, together, say we are strong in the battle. I declare right now, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Because my God only knows how to triumph. I understand that there may be times that it's tough and I'm being worn down, but that's the moment that you come in and lift me up by your mighty grace and I keep fighting the battle until I am victorious. And I do declare today I will be, I will be, I will be, I am, I am, I am victorious in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Come on, give the Lord a praise offer. Thank you, Father. I want to do something a little different. I don't know if you're comfortable with it. If you are or not, it doesn't really matter. Just join in with me. I want to pray over our house. It just seems in my spirit there has just been this unleashing of the attack of the enemy on the Rock of Gainesville. I sat on my couch yesterday afternoon. I got text after text after text and phone call after phone call after phone call of things that many of you are walking through and battles you're facing. And as I'm sitting here on my couch saying that the enemy is unleashing an attack against the Rock of Gainesville, I then, and the pastor's got this too, I think, got a text from Pastor George that we need to stand for our house and thwart the attack of the enemy and stop it in its tracks. So here's what I want you to do. The power of partnership. Reach over and take somebody's hand. Reach across the aisles. We're going to make a physical representation of one solid body speaking together. Jamie, come pray over us. Come pray over our house, and we're going to come together and unite our faith together as Pastor Jamie leads us. Go ahead. Father, we thank you that all of your promises are yes and amen. And God, we thank you that, as the word says, in the fear of the Lord, there's strong confidence and their children will have a refuge. And so I speak right now over us that we walk in the fear of the Lord. I declare we walk as a people obedient to your word. I declare we are people yielded to what you direct and guide us and empower us to do by your Holy Spirit. I declare we are a people who are peculiar in this culture. We're not going to look exactly like what the world looks like. We're going to be uh, people who look unique according to what you are doing in us. And Father, part of that is these battles that we are facing are different ways. Father, I know many are dealing with healing, dealing with financial situations, dealing with relationships. Father, I thank you in all of them. Father, you are more than enough. In all of them, you are faithful. In all of them, God, you are unchanging. And so I speak over us so people, God, we don't get, get, get shaken and tossed this way and that way by every wind and every wave of the culture, Father, and every wind and every wave of doctrines and thought process and things that would cause us to be shifted in our belief and in our faith and in our trust in you. But God, we look to Jesus, the yeah. author yeah. and the finisher yeah. of our faith, yes, yes, yes. the one who said already, he who has begun a good work in yeah. us will be faithful yeah. to complete pleading. And so I declare right now, God, yes. that we as your people lift our hands, we lift our voices, and we say, you are faithful. Come on, yes. both hands in the air. Everybody yes. say it. Yes. You are 
faithful. Yes. Say it again. You are faithful. We declare as a house, we trust you in all things. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org.